Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. Juan sent me a story out of Georgia, and it's the kind of thing that could theoretically happen almost anywhere in America, but not to this degree is it that common. So what happened was a man was convicted by a jury of murder. And at his sentencing, the judge said, you know something? I watched the trial. I disagree with the jury. And he reversed the jury's verdict. And he said, I have the right to do that under Georgia law. And it turns out he does. And they call that the 13th juror theory. And that's what they call it in Georgia. And he said, instead of sentencing this man, I'm going to grant him a new trial. We're going to give him a new trial. And the prosecution went nuts, as you can imagine, and filed an appeal. And it made it up to the Georgia Supreme Court. Georgia Supreme Court actually said, well, you know something? The court's allowed to do that. But they have to state their reasons and explain it quite well on the records. They sent it back down. The trial court said, fine, I'll give you my reasons. And explained them all and said, I still grant this guy a new trial. Prosecution, again, went nuts. They may have been nuts the entire time, but they're, (laughs) I don't mean crazy nuts. I mean, they were upset. And they took that back up to the Georgia Supreme Court, who said, well, guess what? Our law specifically allows a judge to overturn a jury's verdict based on certain reasons, and he spelled out the right reasons, this is fine. The man gets a new trial. And I actually am not too crazy about this idea, and I'll explain it in just a bit. I want to tell you the story first. It's a case called Estate versus Holmes. And PickensProgress.com actually ran a version of this, but so did several other places. The Georgia Supreme Court has upheld a Fulton County judge's ruling which grants a new trial to a man that a jury had unanimously convicted of murder. In this case, the trial judge exercised his discretion as what they call the 13th juror. And based on conflicts in the evidence, the credibility of witnesses, and the demeanor of witnesses during trial, the judge determined that the man was entitled to a new trial. The state, represented by the district attorney, appealed to the Supreme Court, arguing that this was an abuse of discretion. But in the unanimous decision that came down most recently, the Supreme Court says we cannot say that the trial court abused its substantial discretion in granting the man a new trial on the general grounds. The general grounds are described in two statutes that Georgia has that govern the granting of a new trial, one of which says that a judge may grant a new trial when the verdict of a jury is found contrary to the evidence and the principles of justice and equity. And another portion of the code, which states that the judge may grant a new trial in cases where the verdict may be decidedly and strongly against the weight of the evidence. So the prosecution puts in a case that's so weak, no one could possibly convict. The jury comes back and convicts. If a judge is looking at them going, what just happened? What, huh? The judge can grant a new trial. Now, the judge isn't declaring him not guilty and letting him walk. The judge is saying he just gets a new trial. But the bigger question is, presumably the prosecution did the best job they could in the first trial. So the case is that weak that the jury shouldn't have found the man guilty. How do they make the case better the second time around? Can they? And of course, if they put on the exact same trial, won't the judge just go, gee, we've seen this one before. Uh, I'm going to overturn that and give the man a new trial. So this, by the way, is the second time the case has been before the Georgia Supreme Court, as I pointed out. Uh, The trial happened in 2015. It's a very, very complicated case. 
But in November 2017, the trial court granted the man's motion for a new trial. And that's the one that went up. And on remand, then the trial court granted the motion and cited all the reasons and spelled out all of the all the basis for granting a new trial. And the facts of the case are quite convoluted, but it talks about some witnesses saying they saw a man wearing a hoodie and other witnesses saying, well, the defendant was wearing a hoodie. The question is whether the hoodie was the same color or had the same markings on it. Some people pointed out that the victim was known by the defendant, but many people thought they were friends and would friends really do this? And so there were a bunch of conflicting things in the evidence, including some witnesses who said they saw these men laughing and joking earlier in the day, but then later on, this happens. So there's a lot of conflicting evidence here. And if you've ever been on a jury or seen a jury trial, you know that the jury gets instructions. And there's all kinds of instructions on how you operate and how you elect a four-person and what you should do if you need to go to the bathroom. And they actually talk about one of the most important functions of a jury is to determine and weigh and study and examine and come to a conclusion on the credibility of witnesses. So let me give you an example. Let's suppose we have a very, very simple case. Somebody walks into a building in broad daylight and 10 witnesses see the person. Plain as day, guy commits a crime and runs out. Five witnesses say it was this guy. Five witnesses say it was that guy. The state decides to prosecute this guy, the first guy. All 10 witnesses come to testify. Five say it was this guy. Five say it was not. Now, you might say, Steve, I don't know, five minus five, that equals zero. No, that's not how you do it. And you actually get an instruction saying you don't add up witnesses. You can have 10 witnesses for one side, and you have one good witness can outweigh the 10 bad ones. And so how much weight, how much deference, how much respect you give to any particular witness or piece of evidence is entirely up to the jury. They refer to that as the province of the jury. That's what the jury does. So the judge, generally speaking, rules on issues of law. What law applies here? Is this admissible or not? Those kinds of things. But the stuff that gets given to the jury, the jury can choose to believe it, to disbelieve it, to, eh, we'll think about that. But it's up to the jury what they do with the evidence. And I've seen studies on this. I've read articles about this. I've interviewed jurors after cases. And what jurors do, it's, it's, it's kind of like they say, you might not want to see how your sausage is made. I've seen jurors do all kinds of stuff that I never would have expected as an attorney. But that's what they get to do. That's their, that's their job. They've got one job. That's it. That's it. So the scary part is when a judge, who is generally speaking the, the trier of law, says at the end of a trial, I understand that all 12 of you reached a unanimous verdict, and they did it in three hours, by the way. Yeah, three hours. By the way, I, jury of one, disagree with all 12 of you. And I'm granting the man a new trial. Now, is it possible that all 12 of these jurors are wrong and the one judge is right? And I do have a problem with that. And I've mentioned before that I've done a lot of civil work in my life, meaning I file lawsuits on behalf of people who've got 
reasons to file lawsuits against corporations, usually over defective cars. I've also handled some criminal cases. And um, the interesting thing about it is that you see civil cases quite often where a jury will return a verdict. Number one, civil jurors, juries are often smaller than criminal juries. And they're also allowed to return a non-unanimous verdict. So a jury can come back five to one in favor of the plaintiff. So there's at least one juror who wouldn't go along with that. And I've seen a judge go, you know something, after reviewing the evidence, I don't see how those five jurors found that way. So I'm going to grant a new trial. And I've seen that happen. And I've mentioned before, I'm sure I've mentioned at least once, I actually had a, 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 a judge do that to me on one of my cases. But I had a unanimous verdict in my favor, 6-0. 6-0, no question. Jury loved my client. They loved my case. Came back very quickly in our favor. And after the jury was dismissed, my opposing counsel stood up and said, Your Honor, I'd, I'd like to bring a motion to throw out that jury verdict for being against the great weight of the evidence. Against the great weight of the evidence, which is similar language they have here. And the judge goes, you know, Mr. Leto, I didn't believe your client. I, I, don't, I don't find him to be credible. Therefore, I'm going to throw the verdict out. He said, I don't believe your client. Well, that is a credibility issue, which is directly what the jurors are told is their job. And this is one of the cases I often laugh about because I told my client, we're going to get this spun around so fast on appeal, don't even worry about it. And ordered the transcript, filed the motion, uh, filed an appeal technically, uh, you know, up with the uh, higher court, and went into court. I stood up. I was going to start making my argument, and the judge literally did one of these pointed to my opponent and said, you asked for a JNOV, judgment notwithstanding the verdict? And he said, yes. And the judge goes, why? And he's, well, your honor, you can't blame me for asking. And the judge goes, yes, I can. Because this hinges entirely on the credibility of one witness, correct? Guy goes, yeah. Judge goes, whose job is it to weigh credibility? And guy goes, well, your honor, the jury's butt. He said, I'm going to reverse this. Does it surprise you? And he reversed it and sent it back down. And I remember going back and being in front of the trial judge one more time on this, looking at him just like this, and him glaring back at me. So if you read the record of our next hearing, no words were exchanged about us taking it up on appeal and getting it spun around and the transcript up there actually saying that the lower court had screwed that up. But that's exactly what happens here. It appears that this judge, after hearing all the witnesses and considering how it all interplays with the other witnesses and evidence and so on, the judge came to the conclusion that um, I don't think that conviction is warranted. Therefore, I'm going to turn this verdict around and grant a new trial. Now, I will tell you that the judge who oversaw this case has now apparently retired. So a new judge will get to hear the case. So I suspect the prosecutor is going to come right back and file the exact same case with the exact same witnesses, hopefully they can get them all back in and testify to the exact same thing, and see what happens. But, but I have a sneaky feeling that they're going to be more confident going around this time, simply because they think that the first conviction should have been good. It was just turned around on appeal by the judge who said, well, I didn't see it. And so that's the real problem I have. And I will tell you that there are several ways that you can fight a case if you're defending a case, okay? So let's, let's suppose that you're being sued, right? Someone files a lawsuit against you. You can bring a motion to dismiss their lawsuit on a variety of theories, 
One of which is you can say that what they're suing you for doesn't make any sense, failure to state a claim. Or you can say that the facts, even every fact they've alleged, if it were true, wouldn't be enough. That's no genuine issue of material fact. But if they defeat those motions and the case proceeds, okay, so what happens then is you have a trial. So opening statement, plaintiff puts in all their proofs and they rest. At that moment in time, you then, after the jury's been excused, you bring a motion for a directed verdict. You, you stand up as a defendant. You say, Your Honor, we've heard their entire case. We've heard their entire case. And even if the jury believes every single thing they put in, they still aren't entitled to win. And that's possible. And in fact, that's what happened with Preston Tucker uh, in the criminal case against him and the board of directors of the Tucker Corporation. The prosecution put in their entire case. The defendant stood up and said, Your Honor, we rest. There's nothing to fight here. Now, they didn't bring a motion for a directed verdict. They just went straight to a jury. But they could have brought a motion for a directed verdict, except it was a criminal case. But we're talking a civil case here. So at the end of the proofs of the plaintiff, you can bring a motion for a directed verdict, say, Your Honor, there's nothing to have the jury decide. There's not enough here for them to possibly win this case. And I've seen cases get dismissed at that stage because the plaintiff didn't put in enough evidence. But if the plaintiff put in enough evidence where a jury could find in their, be in their favor, then the case will proceed. It's not uncommon that after defendants put in their entire case, they'll renew their motion and say, Your Honor, after hearing our defense and remembering what their case was, you have to see that there's no way a jury could possibly find in their favor. But I've seen judges say before, you know, guys, I'm inclined to grant the motion. I don't think there's anything here. But I'm going to let the jury take the case anyway. Because if a jury comes back and says, you've got no case, that is a better result for everyone than if the judge directs the verdict out, you send the jury home, the plaintiff takes it up on appeal, and the court says, oh, you should have let that go to the jury. So I've seen a judge actually say, not in front of the jury, of course, that I'm inclined to grant that motion, but let's see what the jury does. And if the jury comes back and no causes the plaintiff, then there's no need to do the directed verdict. And some of those principles will apply in a criminal case likewise. So the prosecution puts in their entire case and rests. And I can tell you right now, a very good friend of mine became a city attorney right out of law school. And he told me once, he goes, Steve, he goes, I'll tell you the most embarrassing story of all time. Like, what's that? And he goes, I lost three cases in a row in front of the same judge with the same mistake. I go, what'd you do? And he goes, I'm representing the city where there's a large mall and shoplifting cases are brought in and I get to, I get to prosecute the shoplifting cases. He goes, three times in a row, three separate shoplifting cases, I failed to ask the defendant on the, or excuse me, I failed to ask the witness on the stand, do you recognize the shoplifter? And is that the shoplifter right there? Or is that the person that's accused of it? And he forgot to ask the question. He rested. Defense stands up and goes, Your Honor, move to dismiss. Why is that? Uh, there's no evidence that this is involving my client. <laughs> Three times in a row in the same day. He literally told me, he goes, one morning, boom, boom, boom. He said, the fourth time as they're beginning, the Judge calls him up the bench, goes, okay, you know what I'm going to say to you, right? <laughs> he's never did it again. Three times. First time embarrassing. Two? Three? But the point is that if there's something so severely lacking in the prosecution's case, the judge can enter a directed verdict at the end of the proofs. 
And so what it sounds like in this case, because there's paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs of convoluted evidence about people being at this house and at that house, and then somebody hearing a gunshot and somebody running over and taking a look and seeing a, a, a fleeting figure dashing off in the shadows. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that jurors can argue about all day long. But that's what they do. That's their job. And so I've seen people make these motions and request them from judges. And quite often the judges in a civil case will be more likely to take a case away from the jurors because they go, it's a lawsuit, it's not life or death. But in a criminal case, I've seen judges say, you know something, it's not my job to rule on the credibility of a witness. That's the job of the jury. I'm going to let it go to the jury and let them decide. And so the real problem I have with this, and again, don't get me wrong, there are two statutes in Georgia that specifically say that a judge can do this, okay? But if I was a judge, I would actually, in my mind, draw a division between the questions of law and the questions of fact. And if there's a jury over here that can handle the questions of fact, I would be inclined to say, you know something? Let them handle it. Now, I admit, I'd have a real problem if I saw someone get on the stand and I was convinced they were lying. If they got up there and everything about them told me they were lying, they were perjuring themselves, they should go to jail, <laughs> even though they're just a witness. And if a jury came back and believed them, but it wouldn't upset me to the point where I grant a new trial. It would upset me to the point where I'd want to go talk to jurors and go, what did you guys see that I didn't see? And by the way, I've heard of judges who talk to jurors afterwards who will say, you know, if you guys want to, you can leave. But sometimes the judge and sometimes the attorneys would like to meet with the jurors and talk to them afterwards, just kind of deconstruct what happened. And I would be very inclined to go, I'm just kind of curious. You guys like that witness? <laughs> Didn't bother you? Any of these things that were warning flags to me? But I still wouldn't grant a new trial if 12 jurors disagreed with my opinion on the facts. I would have said, well, you know something? The jury has spoken. But here we have a case where the judge acting as the 13th juror has granted this guy a new trial. And that's after going to the state Supreme Court of Georgia twice, twice. So it's an unusual uh, legal situation uh, in a criminal setting. It happens. And like I said, this can happen in more states than just Georgia. But you don't often see this where <laughs> he has to go to the Supreme Court twice for them to say, yeah, he's allowed to do that. 13th juror. So there you go, Juan, thanks for sending it. But a case out of Georgia, State versus Holmes, man gets a new trial after going to the Supreme Court twice because the one judge completely disagrees with the 12 jurors who convicted. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. There is nothing so easy to learn as experience and nothing so hard to apply.